Welcome to the TikTok Virtual Summit, brought to you today by the Public Speakers Association. I'm so excited to introduce you the incredible Mr. Fox Fire. Fox, would you take it from here? It takes and it teaches. We see it tick away from the bleachers. It passes and amasses as seen by the lines on my face. On clocks and on watches, the same amount each day allotted. We are late, we are early, and we are hurried by the hands never replaced. As a young buck, I saw my future clear with visions of grandeur, oh dear. From penthouse to outhouse, all mine. I was just lied to by time. From young, naive, and romantic, to old, surly, and cantankerous. Back when a greenhorn was amazed to present day and all of those yesterdays. Dad says, count your blessings without a doubt. And when you don't have them, try to work things out. I wish I were a robust rock that could break and fix the world's first clock. As a young buck, I saw my future clear with visions of grandeur, oh dear from penthouse to outhouse, all mine. I was just lied to by time. Tanya, thank you very much for letting me be a part of these virtual summits. It is an honor, a privilege, and a challenge to, to really uh, try and share something that I would hope would be of value to someone listening now or, or later on at, at, at some time. And as I sit here, I think of the word guarantee, how to me that's one of the most overused words in the English language because in life I've found that there is not much that is guaranteed. Um, but one thing I think that is, is adversity. And I've often thought, how do you overcome adversity day after day? And I think it's simply this it's doing as much of what you want, when you want how you want as you can while you're going through it. So I grew up in a, in a great family, two loving parents, three siblings. And throughout my life as a, as a, as a young man growing up with cerebral palsy, I had a lot of surgeries to try to correct my crooked walk. And a lot of those memories of those surgeries are me lying in a hospital bed oftentimes at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital in New York City. And to my left, I've got a hook up to a machine, morphine machine, and to my right, I see my dad. And when he could, he would stay overnight with me in the hospital in the room. Now, most, I would presume, would sleep on, 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 a, on a couch provided, a chair provided. He didn't do that. He actually slept when he could on the windowsill, which was wide enough for him to lie down and put a blanket over his head. And, and when he could, he would go across the street to a, to a Wendy's and he would order me a meal through bulletproof glass just so I wouldn't have to eat hospital food. So I got that unconditional love from him. From my mother, it was more of the, the tough love variety. Now, growing up, at a store, oftentimes people would look at me and I'd have no idea what they were looking at. And I would ask my mother about it and she would simply say, Fox, you, you, you walk funny and it's not much going to change. That's what they're looking at. 
far as my siblings went, we would uh, do things together. We're all very close in age. I have three siblings. There's four of us. And we would, I grew up in a swamp, and we'd go out in the backyard oftentimes in the spring and summer and play baseball. And the setup was this. There were no teams, okay? It was every person for themselves, my brothers and my, my sister. And I would hit last. So oftentimes, I would be pitching to, to someone with two runners on base and no fielders except for me. Or I'd be up with three fielders, uh, including, including the pitcher. So they treated me just like anybody else or tougher than anybody else. And it, it's, it's helped me to this day. Now, we didn't have a lot of rules growing up in the house. We had, we had standards, I would say. And I, I'd like to share a, a couple of them with you, or the two that really were ingrained with me, into me with you now. And they were this. One was that we had a lot. And we were told to focus on what we did have and not focus on what we didn't have. The, the, the second standard that my parents set for me was no complaining. Uh, complaining can only make a bad situation worse. So fast forward to about 25 years after I first heard that. I'm a school teacher and I'm returning from summer break. And the way it's done here at Whippany Park High School, when you return here it's in, in New Jersey, we start school after Labor Day. So later than most schools in the country, I would presume. And the first day is a faculty only day. We get back, we catch up with our colleagues and get to know each other again and just start setting up our rooms, everything for the year. And as is her, her custom, our superintendent would address the faculty in, in the initial presentation of the entire year. And I can recall what, what, what she said this particular late summer day. She said, she's talking about complaining. And she said, complaining is like sitting in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. I'll say that again. Complaining is like sitting in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. So this is about time. And I wanted to share the stories of some people that found themselves in very difficult situations. And instead of spending their time complaining or worrying about dwelling on, harping on what they didn't have, they focused on other things that were more useful. And the first story I have is that of Brianna McMahon. Brianna was a soccer star growing up just outside of Orlando, Florida. Very athletic young lady and her senior year of high school, just outside of Orlando, she committed to Brevard College in North Carolina, not only to, to enroll in classes and be a student, but a student athlete to play soccer as well. Sometime between her committal to Brevard and her arrival at Brevard, she found herself at a, at a high school car wash. And at that car wash, she found herself between a car that was backing up 
and a wall. Brianna had nowhere to go. After the accident and being in a coma for some days, Brianna woke up to find that her left leg had been amputated just above her knee. Brianna went through three blood transfusions. Brianna went through rigorous physical therapy. Brianna went through a number of prosthetic legs to get her back upright. Um, and if you're ever on YouTube and need a little pick-me-up or inspiration, just type in Brie McMahon running. Uh, it is one of the most unbelievable things you will ever see. And I get emotional almost every time that I see it. So ultimately, after all that happened, the, the accident, the coma, the blood transfusions, the rigorous physical therapy, uh, the trying out of prosthetic legs, Brianna had a question. And that question was for her college soccer coach. And it was this, can I be part of the team? Now, in, a, in an interview, her college soccer coach says he, he never expected that Brianna would, would come to Brevard even to be a student. Because as he said, um, on that beautiful campus, it's very hard for any student to get around, um, let alone one that, that has a prosthetic leg. But she asked him the question, and he was absolutely a man of his word. She surely could come to Brevard and be part of the soccer team. And Brianna spent four years as part of the Brevard College soccer team. Amazing. The second story I want to share with you is, is that of Kevin Jordan. And Kevin was a baseball star growing up, uh, growing up outside of Atlanta, Georgia. He had a phenomenal junior year. Uh, he was so good that then he signed a letter of intent to attend Wake Forest University to be a demon deacon. And while his junior year was great, during his senior year, Kevin didn't feel as energetic. He wasn't hitting the ball as hard. He wasn't hitting the ball as far. He wasn't getting down the line as much as he, as quickly as he would like. He wasn't make all, making all the plays in the outfield that he was used to making. And finally, he got checked out. And he came to find out that his kidneys were failing him at 18 years old. His baseball career was in danger. Uh, his, his time as a demon deacon was in danger. And most importantly, his life was in danger. But Kevin focused on two things. One, finding a donor. Two, uh, making sure his scholarship at Wake Forest University was intact. So him and his parents met with his college baseball coach and asked him simply that question. Coach, uh, is my scholarship still good? And his coach, man of his words, said, absolutely 100%, your scholarship is still good. And he said, by the way, if you want me to get tested to see if I'm a match for a transplant, I will do it today. So his coach got tested. And wouldn't you know they were a match? So late in the winter of, of 2012 and beginning of 2000, late in the winter of 2011, going into 2012, uh, 
Kevin's college baseball coach donated a kidney to Kevin successfully. Both recovered. Kevin had a longer road. He had to go through rigorous physical therapy to get himself back into baseball shape. He did. And in February of 2013, Kevin collected his first collegiate hit. Now, I listened to a podcast called The Mind Side, where now the secrets to winning with Dr. Brett McCabe. Dr. McCabe is a former college baseball player, a pitcher at Louisiana State University, who is now uh, a sports psychologist at the University of Alabama. And on his podcasts, uh, he interviews great people, asking them what makes them tick and how do they connect with other people. And some time ago, he interviewed the, the head athletic trainer for the University of Alabama football team. And this man told a story about the head strength trainer for the University of Alabama football team. And it's this. This man is, is, is the last coach right now at the University of Alabama to have played for Paul Bear Bryant. After playing for Coach Bryant at the University of Alabama, he went on to play in the NFL for a couple of years. Once he retired from the NFL, he chose to go back to the University of Alabama and give back. And he has for 30 years. He's worked with Alabama football players and gotten them bigger, faster, stronger, and more mentally tough um, than they were when they arrived on campus. And he was asked, Coach, how do you do it? How have you done it for all of these years? And he simply said this. He said, first, I connect with the players' hearts. Then I connect with the players' minds. When I'm able to connect their hearts with their minds, their bodies will follow. So connecting with your heart, your mind, and having the body follow. To backtrack on the stories of, of Bree McMahon and Kevin Jordan, think about Bree's story for a second. Okay. After all that happened, again, the accident, the transfusions, and the therapy, Brianna came to, and instead of wasting her time complaining and thinking about what she didn't have, she focused on that time of knowing in her heart that she was going to get back on the soccer field. And then in her mind, devised a plan to get back on the soccer field. And day after day, she worked. And she found herself in 2012 on a soccer field. Now, again, instead of complaining, she spent her time connecting her heart with her mind and then her daughter. Kevin Jordan, same thing. Kevin, when he came to, had a choice. He had a thought. How am I going to get back on a baseball field? So day after day, he worked. He put a plan together to get back on the baseball field by February of 2013. And he did. So again, the stories of Brianna McMahon and Kevin Jordan are simply this. What you can accomplish when you don't waste your time complaining about what you don't have. And instead, you focus on 
what you do have and you connect your heart with your mind with your body so step your idol no more step pick yourselves up off the floor step get up out of your seats step you will not lie there in defeat step in mind and body a winning tranquility step without movement there is no possibility step each pace equals a seed step in the world's largest sequoia tree step one by one they will amass step core filled passes down victory path step dear adversity you have no chance dear adversity we will adapt and we will advance again my name is fox buyer i'm a teacher speaker and author and a coach and I want to make you make you an offer here today. I have a website, foxbuyer.com. That's F-O-X-B-E-Y-E-R.com. If you if you go on there, the front page of the website, and you believe you have a story that might be beneficial to other people, I have a podcast called "What's Your Inspiration." And again, if you think it's worthy. Of, Sharing, I'd love to get in touch with you to get a time when we can record this and spread it to the rest of the world. Additionally, I have a book out called Letter Kindling, Igniting, Inspiring, Evoking the Fire Within. It's a compilation of poems, both motivational and inspirational, um, that really light the fire within. And if you'd like a, a free copy of that, I would be glad to send one to you. Again, my website is foxbuyer.com. That's F-O-X-B-E-Y-E-R.com. Let me know that you'd like a copy of the book. Send me your address, and I would be glad to send a copy to you. Again, let's not spend our time. I would recommend not spending our time complaining and worrying about what we don't have, but instead spend our time connecting our hearts with our minds. And when we do that, our bodies will follow. Thank you much. Thank you so much for your time. And Tanya, back to you.